Welcome to Love Your Heart, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic's Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute. These podcasts will help you learn more about your heart, thoracic, and vascular systems, ways to stay healthy, and information about diseases and treatment options. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Nick Smadira, and I'm here with Dr. Juan Umana. We're here to talk about septomyectomy, which Juan is a, a really dynamic, changing practice in cardiac surgery. There's so much going on in the field of hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, so it's a real exciting time for the management of patients so that we have so many things now in our armamentarium, so it's really exciting. It is. It is. I think that it's one of the most exciting fields right now, wouldn't you say? And and not only not only from a medical treatment perspective with all the 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 new options available, but as you've pointed out several times recently, surgery is still the backbone of, of treatment for these patients. You know, and, and I, I think there's there are a lot of questions as to what is hypertrophic cardiomyopathy and 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 when it should be treated. And given that you're the expert in the field, not only uh, at the Cleveland Clinic, but worldwide. Why don't you tell us a little bit what 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 patients should be operated on? What what hypertrophic cardiomyopathy and particularly the obstructive kind yeah. is, and when patients should be thinking of seeing a cardiologist and perhaps even being referred to a surgeon. Oh yeah, well there's a lot to unpack there, but for starters, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is a genetic disorder. Interestingly, we thought it occurred, the genetic disorder occurred in about one in 500, but in fact, it may be as common as one in 250. So if you, you do the math, that's a lot of patients that are potentially affected by this gene. Now, not everybody that has the gene will get that thick part of the heart of the septum, but many patients will. So what we need is to understand you know what's going on with the heart in terms of what we call obstruction the the blood has to get out of the heart and the the pathway is bordered by muscle on one side and the mitral valve on the other and to effectively exit the the blood to get out of the heart there has to be a space for that And, and in hypertrophic cardiomyopathy and in some diseases of the mitral valve that space gets too narrow and the blood can't get out. So to really understand what's going on, a patient with symptoms such as dizziness, maybe they even passed out, shortness of breath, especially interestingly after a meal. That's one of the the hallmark signs of hypertrophic obstructive cardiomyopathy, a shortness of breath after a meal, which is very interesting. The patient then is seen by an imaging specialist who does an echocardiogram. Often you need to run on a treadmill to make sure the obstruction is identified. And then it's critical with either echo or MRI or a combination of those exams to understand how much of the problem is from the muscle, which gets thick, or the mitral valve, which can be in the wrong position. It can be too long any assortment of combinations. And that's where visiting a center of excellence that has the experience to identify what exactly is going on is critical. 
then of course, it's important to have the surgical expertise to do what operation is necessary. I, what I do commonly is, is, is just shave the muscle. It's a relatively simple operation. And your expertise is the mitral valve and the mitral valve pathology and what can be going on. And, and here we've developed a number of unique operations that can help the mitral valve perform better without having to replace it. Our goal is to make sure that, or to try to do things so the patient has their own valve, shaved muscle, and avoid a mitral valve replacement. So that's sort of from the start through surgery that, that, that we've developed here, and we also do in, in Weston down in Florida. Yeah, I think that's, that's so if, if we take it from, from, from the top, yeah. kind of simplify, I think that, that one of the things that is fascinating about the, the outflow tractor, what it takes for the blood to get out of the left ventricle, it's not only the ventricle contracting, but the mitral valve interacting with the muscle, as you said. And, and, and when, when that muscle gets very thick, that mitral valve may just get almost sucked into that outflow tract, right? And, and, and that's when, when, when the expertise of a multidisciplinary team comes right. in, which is exactly what, we're, what, what you've been working on here for a long time with a, you know, imaging cardiologists, with echocardiographers, with MRI, as well as a clinical cardiologist that's dedicated to hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. The surgery itself sounds very complicated and very complex, but as you get down to it, Nick, it's, it's, it's really a relatively simple operation if you understand the concept and you've done it several thousand times, right? Correct. How often would you think that the mitral has to be repaired or intervened sure. in, in hypertrophic cardiomyopathy? I, th I think if you look at the big picture of obstruction, blood getting out of the heart, I'd say the vast majority of the time, it's the muscle and not the valve. By cutting the muscle, thinning that septum, you open up enough pathway to, to let the blood out in the mitral valve that uh, behaves normally. Now we have a little bit of a referral bias because we've written a lot about this, the mitral valve being the primary culprit for obstruction. So uh, cardiologists around the country, around the world, send patients to us who have thinner septums. They're not very hypertrophied but they still have obstruction. And when we started down this pathway, we saw this. And as cardiologists began to more intensely investigate patients with symptoms, because in our minds, as we just started to discuss, it was all about thickness of the septum, hypertrophy. And if you didn't see hypertrophy on the echocardiogram, you didn't think of obstruction. Because at rest, the obstruction might not be there because it often only happens with exercise or activity or a heavy meal. Which is why you're saying that it's important to do an exercise. To provoke. Yeah, provoke the obstruction. Because there's been so many patients, which, which is so regrettable when you hear the story, that have said, I have had symptoms since I've been in high school. I couldn't, I couldn't do gym class. 
I went into the Marines and I barely made it through boot camp. I was, I was so short of breath. But then when they examine them at rest, they have no murmur. The echocardiogram looks perfectly normal. But if you had them do 50 jumping jacks in your office, or we often have them Valsalva, which, is, which can provoke the obstruction, you get the obstruction. But calm things down, you don't see anything. And that was very, very difficult. Pa patients are told they have asthma. People are told that they have anxiety, they have panic attacks. They see neurologists for dizziness. And it's this obstruction that may only be present during the, when the heart's contracting. So we identified patients that didn't have a lot of hypertrophy and asked the, just the fundamental research question, well, if you don't have hypertrophy and you're obstructing, what's causing the obstruction? And of course it was the mitral valve. And then the question was, well, why is the mitral valve doing this? Because that then leads to thinking of surgical techniques that can intervene. And putting a stitch may not be the answer once you understand the anatomy and the physiology. So then we started to look at how long is the leaflet? Because some leaflets, mitral leaflets can be very excessively long and that's causing them to flip up. And I think potentially a couple causes. One is that when you're uh, a fetus in utero, when, when the heart twists, the papillary muscles end up rotating in a, in a, in a position that, that puts them in the outflow path. So we've developed a technique to move them out of the outflow path. Just, just for yeah. anybody who might be watching and, 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 and listening to this, Wondering what the papillary muscles are. Oh yeah, the the, the the mitral valve looks almost like a parachute, right? It is. And yeah. It's held down into the ventricle by these cords that are attached to two muscles. So you, you're saying that sometimes those can be slightly rotated, and as a consequence, be in the way of the blood flow, of flow of blood. That's that's what we've observed, and so we've focused on them for a bit to pull them back down away from the septum. So we have a couple of techniques to do that. I also think, you know, as we age and maybe as we gain some weight, we lift up the heart a little bit as our diaphragm comes up and that changes the angles of which the blood can get out of the heart. And so that predisposes patients to some obstruction. So I, I think that's an explanation for why would somebody in their 70s, late 60s or 70s, all of a sudden develop obstruction? And then we do genetic testing and they don't have any of the genes that we know cause obstruction. I think what happens is they may have a little high blood pressure. They may have this change that occurs as we age and the next thing that you know that you're predisposed to obstruction. So these techniques that we've developed, these observations that we made have led to us being more attuned to diagnosing the disorder and then having a couple of techniques to take some muscle, repair the mitral valve to open up the path. And, and it's been 20, 25 years of working together in a center where we not only do the surgery, but we, we study the details of what we do. We combine the imaging aspect of it and we've come up with, I think, a fairly good way to 
Then answer your question, how often does this occur in our referral path where we repair the valve? Maybe 10% of the time. Right. So, so really, it's a small percentage. Yeah. And, and the reason for that is, is, is we have a very deep understanding of, of the whole disease process and the pathophysiology of the, of the obstruction, right? That's correct. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen at clevelandclinic.org slash loveyourheartpodcast. podcast.